Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Bobby Wagner to my KJ right. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm quietly leading. You are quiet. I, the microphone volume is quiet, too. I don't know if that's like a, a sign of uh, the, the times. or was intentional. It was intentional. <laughs> it was intentional. It was and a personal our, choice. Our very own Michael Kendricks. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing? I knew it. I planned it earlier this morning, just so you know. When I was, when I was rewatching the game, I was like, I know I'm going to get Eric good on this one. <laughs> Glimpse behind the curtain every week. Uh, Kevin and I come in here to Nathan's home, and we go over the game. We're like, oh, yeah, it was great. Everything was great. Uh, except for this week, we're like, oh, this is why everything sucks. And uh, every single one of us knew Michael Kendricks was terrible. So shame on you, Nathan. <laughs> I have to do it. It's my job. I, that's why I make the big... Well, guess what? So I make the media. I'm going to go to jail at some point, so you ain't got to worry about me. Yeah. Are you going to... Did you do some insider trading? Uh, uh, what gives me a plea deal? That's my answer. At least you didn't do any inside linebacking. <laughs> <laughs> or inside or outside. Just no Ooh, linebacking. Period. Kevin trying to get me to spit out my water. Nice try. All right. <laughs> Real close. Um, well, let's get into the, the, the big Seahawks news of the week, which is that Nick Vanette traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin, this, you are the Nick Vanette truther. How do you feel? Uh, I feel like Will Disley clearly passed him on the chart. Um, we've seen him be a consistent target, and people want, may go, can we trust Will Disley to be healthy? Uh, this is not a person with a track record of injuries. This was a fluke occurrence last season, so... Like betting against Disley's health is basically like betting on flukes continuing to occur. So I feel like it makes sense for the team to ship him off. We'll probably see Hollister come up in the corresponding move, which gives you a little bit more variety in the skill set in the tight end room. Yeah, and um, we have two blocking tight ends still. We got George Fant, and we have Will, Will Disley. Disley. So I don't. I'm not really worried about like our what, best right tackle, Will Disley. What does the what does the uh, you know the the 21 format formation look like? That's what it looks like. It looks like George Fant and Will Disley. Um, and then, you know, uh, Hollister, I think, ends up being a kind of guy you can flank out wide if you really need to. And Dixon will be back at some point. And, he, and he's Mr. And he, Reliable. And he looked really good last year. I was very impressed last year. Yeah, Kevin, like you said, Mr. Reliable. Uh, Eric, are you going to miss the Vanette era? Or are you just happy to get the like the third pick in the fifth round from the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I found that out on the way here. Like, what did we actually get back? Uh, I think that's a great haul. I think we're maybe losing the most good-looking guy on the Seahawks, so uh, uh, I don't know whose turn is it to step up. Uh, Jay Davian, you're up. Go for it, buddy. Uh, you're moving in the most handsome. I'll say this about Nick Vanette. He was fine. He was always that guy that was going to take over, and then Will Disley immediately took over that role before he got hurt. And, yeah. uh, it did for many years feel like Vanette was going to take the leap like, and oh, become the, a good This is the year. This it, is the it year. Just never, it just never happened. We're, four, we're now in year four, and it's yeah. just not. It was just never there. Yeah, as the Vanette apologist, my comment was always like, you know, he's a pretty solid blocker. He's kind of got like that, uh, that you know, Zach Miller pass-catching thing going. And then Disley came in and was like, I'm going to do all that stuff a little better. <laughs> and you're like, well, uh, somebody looks like warmed over Taco Bell. Yeah, he's just, he's fine. He's very okay. Um, the other uh, big uh, Seahawks news this week, uh, that Ja'Kai Polite, no longer with us. He what about Ja'Kai Polite? Sure. That, I didn't know, I didn't he, hear this when news. He, he got downgraded to Ja'Kai when we cut him. Um, Ja'Kai Polite, gone, but not forgotten. Thanks for the memories. I wonder, I wonder what happened. He probably stopped showing up to meetings and stuff. I mean, He didn't show up to meetings. <laughs> If we uh, traded Vinette, now we have in the locker room. now we kind of have two spots on the practice squad. If we traded Vinette, because if they call Pollister or you know either that or they sign a tight end, and then we still have just one. But either way, we have open spots on the practice squad now. Antonio Brown. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> that's for the Seattle. That's for the Seattle Dragons, Eric. I uh, know. Oh, believe me, I wanted to put that in the thread, but we were too busy losing for me to make a funny. I can't wait to see Mister Big Chest on the back of an F of an XFL jersey. Oh. Um, he's right now. He's Mr. Mr. Big Chest being guarded by he hate me. He's Mr. Big Tweets now, because uh, that was uh, that was certainly something he did on Sunday. Well, you know, he's known for putting nefarious well, things you, on people's did backs. You, did you so. read all of the? Did you read all of the tweets? <laughs> no, I did not read all of the tweets. Okay, I got too many tweets. To I feel take like care I, of I got the Cliff Notes version. I feel like I have to. Um, I have to to tell you guys all the things he tweeted about because he really went went after well, it. He went after Bob Kraft. Yeah, with a hand job joke. Yep. He said different strokes 
Good for you, Antonio. He went after like he went after, after the 70s television show. He went after everyone, dude. He was like went after Ben Roethlisberger. He went after Ben. He's no okay, shock. He went after Ben. He went after Shannon Sharp. Oh, really? Well, Shannon was the only guy to actually like. <laughs> I didn't see that. Retort. I saw that Shannon was the only guy to actually retort. Yeah, and okay, sh- don't don't challenge Shannon Sharp. Wait, because one, he's a great tight end player. He's a great tight end. He's also very very intelligent and well spoken. Oh, you really think that? Because his response was to call him Clown Antonio Brown, when Brown literally <laughs> rhymes with clown. He could have called him Antonio Clown, but instead he called him Clown Antonio. I did not see that. Everything else he said about basically calling Antonio Brown on the carpet was what I read. I did clown. not hear. Maybe clown. he was just trying to be too clown. Clever. Clown Antonio Brown, you know, Clown Antonio. Wait, was it Clown Antonio Brownio? I'm pretty sure the Skip Bayless. Stole his phone during that Skip. exchange. Skip. I okay. Speaking of Skip Bayless, have you guys heard that Skip Bayless's wife wrote a book about like how to how to get along with your your sports obsessed husband? Really? No. She's married they, to another guy. They sleep. They they <laughs> sleep in separate rooms so that he can wake up at four a.m. to do all his shows and like in all fairness, watch sports if you were day. married to Skip Bayless, wouldn't you sleep in a separate room? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's just a clo- I think that's just a cover. And all power to her. I think chapter one, it like goes into that because she knew that's as far as he would read. And in chapter two, it's just like a plea for help letter for the next four chapters. <laughs> oh man, it's and then like chapter oh. six is recipes for Mexican food. She has like a really, mom. she has like a really weird name too. I can't remember what it is. It's like Ernesto. Clown Tony. No, it's it's Ernesta or something. <laughs> um, okay, sorry, it, Clown Tonya. Clown Tonya. Um, Clantonia no Bra- offense meant Clantonia Brown Brown Bayless um, Clantonia Brown Bayless alright that sounds like the worst law firm let's get into it the people are waiting for us to criticize the Seahawks and I think that you know we had to inject will, a little joy before the depression. we have a lot of criticism to make but I wanted to have some fun today so um alright Chris Carson I want to start with Chris Carson Chris Carson plays 37 snaps uh this week and I would say ruined my day in multiple ways. Okay, we already knew he kind of had a fumbles, a little fumbly, little fumbly's problem from last week, right? Yeah. This is not a, like a new thing. He does the th- so I watched that play like a bunch of times to figure out what his ball security issue is, and this is what pisses me off. Okay, I watch him. He obviously has it in his head. Like I gotta secure the ball, so he puts both hands on the ball tight, and, and then squeezes it, and squeezes it, <laughs> and then and then as soon as he starts actually falling down. He takes the second arm off. I'm like, what are you doing? And then the guy comes behind him and punches it out. And I'm like, yeah, you aren't all the way down yet. Don't take your other arm off. What the hell are you doing? It's like like a guy who, like, he knows what he's supposed to be doing. But then, actually, I... Yeah, falls into, like, muscle memory. Sean Alexander had the same thing when he would juke. And Carson does this thing when he jukes. He, when he jukes he like one direction. Out with the arm. Yeah, and like when you do like a counter, so basically you go in one way and then you juke the other. He he definitely puts the ball arm out, which is uh, it's it's not where he loses the ball, but to, you have to regain control immediately, and, the, and that's not helping. It's it. not quite Ahmad Green levels, but and it's the, not good. The penny injury was a killer this week because I really think it was hard for the team. I mean, ProSize obviously can't play more than six snaps a game. That's just how many times you can take the Ferrari around the block. I beg to differ. He could play seven, but it's him that snaps. Yeah, okay. So he's so he gets his customary six snaps in. Well, we have nowhere else to turn. We have to play Carson. And Not to mention four carries for five yards. ProSize wasn't exactly securing a job. But, but I mean... The thing for me is, is Carson. We couldn't put him in fumble jail because Penny wasn't there to, yep. to like to be the guy. And I would have loved to see Travis Homer get some run though, just to see. I'll be honest. I just think I think if Penny's healthy, Carson goes to fumble jail, and we just go straight to Rashad the rest of the game. And I don't. I'm not actually fine with that. Rashad Penny's had a pretty solid season, and Carson kind of needs a wake up call in terms of like turning the ball over. His ball security issues are gonna are gonna cost us not just this game. It, you can point to any number number of things as the one thing that busted us in this game because there's a bunch of them. This was one of the potential things that could have won us the game. If Carson doesn't fumble here, I mean, we moved the ball pretty good for, for only scoring seven first-half points, and this is one of the reasons why we didn't end up with more than seven first-half points is that Carson has had ball security issues. Yep. Um, Not to mention, Carson actually had one of his worst running games too. Uh, he had 15 carries for 53 yards, but it was buoyed by two 10-plus yard runs. Yeah. So he only had three and a half yards per attempt. He had only had 31 yards after contact, which means our run blocking was better than it's been. Yeah, and he only had he only had uh, like the one first down too. Oh, uh, I thought Wilson Wilson had the better running day than uh, than Carson. Yeah, Wilson was our best running back, which that's 
Those are those are sad days. Oh, those are had the a, days. Haven't had a great Russell Wilson scrambling day in a while though, and this was one of them. He was really good scrambling. Got got uh, four first downs mm-hmm. on uh, on seven rush attempts, or yeah, seven yeah. rush attempts, and uh, just looked really really good. Took um, a couple hits. Yeah, but you know what? He really wanted it, and I think that anyone who had any questions about Russell Wilson, um, you can just if you have some still, Davis Sue, then you can go ahead and just root for a different team. Like there's no. There's nothing Russell Wilson needs to prove anymore. He's a good thrower. He threw great in this game. He's a good runner. Um, I the only thing the only problem now is that you know we're paying thirty million dollars to a quarterback to not utilize him at the beginning of the game. Um, I read a stat the other day. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes uh, only throws eleven percent of his passes when he's ahead. Uh, or or no, or sorry, Russell Wilson only throws eleven percent of his passes when he's ahead. 89% of his passes are thrown when he's behind. Like, you can throw in your head. Put your foot on the throw and stomp on it. Like, you you know, there's no killer instinct for the play calling. It's just like, as soon as we get ahead, we go conservative. And it makes every game close. And Russell Wilson has to pull every game out of his butt. Because, because like, that's the expectation at this point. And I think that's a Russell Wilson thing. Or, uh, uh, not a Russell, a Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll thing. thing. I agree. This goes that. beyond just one offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's Pete. Pete is passing on this because look at the go look at Detroit's offense. Detroit's offense looks like dynamic and exciting. Guess who's their offense coordinator is now? Daryl Bevel. Like they they looked good last week, and I was like, okay, Detroit is a real football team. And get, did you see JD McKissick's big play? No. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, oh man, Daryl Bevel can't quit JD McKissick. It's like, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a disease or something. Local TV commercial star JD McKissick. Oh yes, local TV. Okay. Um, you want to go? So we talked running backs. We talked a little Russ. Do you want to go deeper on Russ, Kevin? Let's go deeper on Russ. Go for it. So Russ, 8 for 16, 140 with two touchdowns when pressured. Uh, 6 for 10, 204 yards on balls that traveled more than 20 yards downfield. Uh, it was Russ doing Russ things. He was consistently asked in the first half to make throws on third and medium, third and long. Uh, using his legs, this was... It felt like such a throwback game where it was first down ineffective, second down ineffective, third down. What can Russ do? Eight eight point one yards per attempt too. Like that's like, yeah, on fifty attempts. That's, that's pretty, nuts. It's pretty crazy. Like that's a lot. He he. This is. I think I read this was the first time that Russell Wilson has lost when getting over four hundred total yards. So I mean, and he still was getting the ball out pretty quick, uh, slower than he has, you know, on the cor- over the course of the season. But looking at it, we were out in uh, two point eight six. I mean, still under three. That's that's fine. You know, it's not like it's not like it was in the first couple weeks where we're getting it out in under two seconds. Well, as we blend it into the receiver game, what bothered me was we still had a lot of short checkdowns, checkdowns to Carson, checkdowns to ProSize. Um, early in the game, like first quarter, checkdowns to Disley that felt like those modified runs. They were designed to pick up like three yards, and it just seemed like a very odd decision. When we knew going into the game, this was a set of linebackers in the secondary that you could go, you could get after, you could attack, and so we saved it until late in the game when we went after him. And hey, lo and behold, it turned out. There were yards everywhere. Yeah, Russell Wilson, when we attacked the middle of the field on those short throws, he was 18 for 23, 78.3% completion percentage um, when he got the ball out in less than two and a half seconds. Over two and a half seconds, 14 for 16. So just like a, like you said, Kevin, just attacking that middle of the field, attacking those those uh, short and intermediate routes, the, the real weakness of this defense. I think the linebackers, I mean, the linebackers are good at stopping the run. I think we saw that. Yeah, they but, had a ton of run stops. They combined for nine run stops from their linebackers, especially... Uh, Demario Davis. Yes, Demario uh, Davis had a really good game. Excellent against the run, but not good against the pass. He gave up like what six passes, four passes. Yeah, he gave up I think four passes. AJ Klein gave up six. AJ Klein was matched up against Tyler Lockett on that first touchdown reception. Guess what? You shouldn't ever do, Eric. <laughs> Put a line. They covered. They, on AJ Tyler. Klein actually that's, gave that's up. That's exactly three, what you shouldn't do. He gave, actually gave up three catches to Lockett. Like they they used. They he, he could have given up infinity catches to Lockett if they, we kept throwing it. They they did the old Seattle Seahawks. Why don't we cover this slot corner, this slot receiver with a with a linebacker? Yeah. Oh, great! Now Pete's gonna see it and try and emulate it. Awesome. <laughs> hey, look, it won a game. Um. Yeah. Great. It won. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's not what won the game, but yeah, sure, Pete. <laughs> um. Okay. Let, so, uh, receivers. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something, and it's gonna make me sad. But uh, Jaron Brown. 
I had really high hopes for him coming into the season, and I just don't think I don't think he's the perfect fit for what we do. And uh, maybe this is the wrong game to judge him by because yet there was a lot more throws that came out late, and maybe he's more like an on time guy, you know, like when the, the offense needs to be getting out on time for him to be successful. So I'm willing to withhold judgment for a couple more weeks, but he needs to show something in the regular season quick, or wide receiver is going to be maybe my number one off season priority for the Seattle Seahawks. What do you got? What do you guys think? Uh, I don't really. I think it's a Jaron Brown problem, not a Seahawks receiver problem. I like Tyler Lockett. I think DK Metcalf is a gift. Um, David Moore coming back this week. Kevin may do a little more of a deeper dive, but uh, for him to be targeted twice and just come in and take his first target for a catch was a little impressive. Malik Turner might be a thing. We still don't know what Jennings or Asua can do. I'm not really worried about receiver, honestly. Uh, Russ is making people look good. I feel like Jaron Brown is a a square peg in this round hole Seahawk offense, and it's just it's just not for you, Jaron. Sorry, it's not you, it's us. We're not in love with you anymore. I don't know. I feel like we completed passes to nine targets, if I'm reading this correctly, if I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And that included uh, five targets for Metcalf, six targets for Brown, and a combined five targets for Moore and Turner, which I think as you see Moore getting a little more healthy, um, you'll see him taking away some of those Turner targets. Why well, I generally... With, oh, go ahead. Sorry, right, sorry. With, the, with the generally two wide receiver and occasionally three wide receiver sets that we run out there, I'm not sure how many targets we have to go around that way. Like, Lockett is clearly our possession and move the sticks guy. Metcalf is the guy we want to pump it to downfield. Though Lockett also has some of those things. So guys like Brown and Moore, it's going to be interesting to see how they fit in. Well, we have cap. We'll have cap space at, at that position group, right? Because Lockett's contract, I think, is pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then DK Metcalf's contract will be a rookie contract, so we'll have a little money to throw at one more second round rookie one, contract. One more, one more wide receiver, you know. So I think that that's that's uh, really fair. Another thing, I just want to pump the brakes on like DK Metcalf. So amazing. I do agree. He has looked good. He has looked like a really solid rookie. But he's only catching 50% of the balls that are thrown his way so far, 9 for 18. And that's if that catch rate continues, that's Jermaine Kerr's territory of, like, not catching the ball when it is thrown to you. And I want to make sure everyone – we're all on the same page. That like, this is the guy we should be excited about. He's young, but he needs to play better than he is now or I'm going to, like – like I said, wide receiver will be something that I think we'll need to take a look at as we need one more guy at that position group. I do believe he does not have much in the way of drops, though. Uh, right now, he has zero drops. So he's getting targeted. He's not making a ton of catches, but I think there's a lot of kind of trust balls, like a lot of like genuine 50-50s, which we know are more like 70-30 in the NFL. Yeah. And so with the way he's being utilized, um, the one pushback I'll do is I think the Jermaine Curse comparison's a little unfair because you're talking about a guy that can do a lot more. It's sort of like how... Uh, when you have a really rangy center fielder, they get nailed for their fielding percentage because they can get their glove on a lot more balls. And also, I think DK Metcalf is uh, better at route running than he was scouted at, or a lot of teams had him. But he's he's not a route running maven. He's yeah. he's no John Ursua supposedly. No, he's, he's no your, Doug your point. Your point is he's he's not Julio Jones, and you're absolutely right. And people no. do need to pump the brakes. Right now, that. right now, he's more like Zay Jones. Than Julio Jones, and I mean that's fine. It's Didn't for Zay it. Jones get caught like naked in a Kmart parking lot? There's a, there's a weird Zay, story. Zay Jones, Zay Jones. Zay Jones also has fifty percent catch percentage this year. That's where. <laughs> um, but Zay Zay Jones, I mean, it's, that's just where he's at in his career. You know, mm-hmm. he's young, he's good, he's talented. He will probably have some exciting moments. Um, maybe he'll have a hundred, couple hundred yard games this year. That'll be cool. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to make the leap. And I do think that if you know, let's say uh, Clowntonio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Someone of his caliber becomes available to us. It's something we should take a look at. It's a. It's one of the position groups I think could lead to a the biggest uptick in our offense, the fastest. That was uh, revealed by the way when he was when. Sorry. Not not Clown Antonio. Not Clown Antonio specifically. Yeah, but. but I just want to be. I do want to throw that out there that the Seahawks admitted that they they were asking around about Antonio Brown before he signed with the Patriots. I mean, of interesting. Course. And when asked John about Schneider. that now, they said, "No, nah, we like the guys who got there." John John <laughs> Schneider. Good. John Schneider's always competing. Yeah. Uh, even in that case, um, yeah. So I think like DK Metcalf would by next year. We're talking about him kind of the way people talk about Kenny Galladay now, right? But he just needs that time to develop. He needs that time to become 
the the big guy and if we put too much put too much on his plate i think it's just going to lead to more of what we see now which is like a guy who is good but isn't going to catch a lot of the 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 balls that you know the 50 50 balls like you said kevin i think more of them will hit the ground than than we would like yeah i i definitely agree that we can't build the offense around dk but utilizing the matchup difficulties that he creates and this is a guy i think we can work a little bit more out of the slot which is also interesting because then a team is stuck going, do we put a slot corner who's usually a smaller guy on him? Do we sandwich it with a safety so we have size? Do we try and have a linebacker keep up with this guy? And if you could do things like put Lockett on the outside and have uh, Metcalf run a route over the middle or something, creating that flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized at the end of this season, but it'll be even more interesting to see in the, ne- in the next couple of years as he and Lockett become the feature pieces in the passing game, what that ends up looking so like. So our review of the offense in some big mistakes and bad play calling kind of doomed us a little bit. Or maybe like overly conservative early play calling. Yes, overly conservative early play calling is the exact wording I would okay. use. All right, and then defense. Okay. Oh, by the way, real quick, one more thing. Oh, okay. Outside of Afedi giving up nine total pressures, uh, really good pass blocking. Yeah, Afedi sucks. Afedi's um, awful, and he was the problem, but everyone else played great. And also, he was against Cam Jordan, which makes a problematic player even worse. Yeah, but Afedi just, you can't give up nine hurries, man. It was like. His spot was a turnstile. I'm ready for 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 all sorts of trades. I'm ready for passing tight end George Fant to to take over at right tackle. Sure. I mean, I'm ready for passing tight end Will Disley to take over right tackle at this point. Hey, Will Disley had the second best pass blocking grade. He's so good. (laughs) He's a really good. You know why Disley had a really good pass blocking grade? Because they had to keep him in to help with stupid Fetty. Okay. (laughs) Um, Defense. All right. The story for me for the defense is missed tackles. Okay, uh, out of everyone, I think we had 10 different players with missed tackles, including nine of the 11 starters. Uh, they, the biggest culprit, of course, being the prison man himself, the guy who's stopping us from playing a legitimate NFL nickel defense. That's right, Michael Kendricks. Who was in on 41 out of 56 snaps for some reason. Dear Lord. Um, dropped into coverage 17 times, got targeted five of those times because he's covering guys that no, he should never, ever be covering. Why is Michael Kendricks just running around past Alvin Kamara all day? Guess what? If I have Alvin Kamara on my team, my goal is to get him singled up on Michael Kendricks. That's the goal of my offense. Then the Seahawks just let it happen over and over again. It's it's It was ridiculous. I was get, I'm so frustrated. And then not on top of the fact that he missed four tackles, um, just a really bad tackling day all, all around, but he was the, the biggest culprit. And it, it, you know, it's the kind of thing that Pete drills out of guys when before, and we used to always get those, um, those, those fines, you know, for like too much contact practices and stuff. We don't get them anymore. And I feel like that there might be a cause and effect relationship here that we need. Now we need the first couple weeks to get back in tackling mode or whatever, because the tackling just doesn't look as sharp as it did, um, in past years to me. Yeah, we had 16 missed tackles, four from Kendricks. There were three from Shaquille Griffin, though I felt like uh, one of them when, was when he was kind of in the middle of being blocked and barely got a finger on a guy. There were a couple of those where it's like, eh, or like clowny. Um, one of them he had hold of the jersey but couldn't bring the guy down. Yeah. Um, those are one thing. Kendricks just straight up whiffed four times. Yeah, they were bad. Kendricks they were bad turning, misses. Uh, the worst, they were the worst misses of all of them. He's this year's Mingo. And that's tragic. This is a guy who needs to be converted to more of a pass rush role where we set him up to be a pass rusher, but he's capable of dropping into coverage. He doesn't hurt you in coverage, but he's not a coverage asset. If you look at his grades over his career, he's never really been KJ. He's been a guy who's best as a pass rushing outside linebacker who's serviceable in all other areas, decent run stopper. Speaking of KJ, he had a hell of a game. He was all over the place. He had a really good game. He had had six coverage, four receptions given up, 18 yards, only five after catch, which is just like – so good. Um, I Jefferson had a great game. He had a pass breakup too. Five pressures. Uh, what? Five pressures, three run stops. I think Quentin Jefferson. Qu- yeah, Quint- Q was Q was pretty good, and then Puna Ford was really good too. But I think he was on a pitch count. Like they weren't they weren't trying to get him hurt again. This because, is something I want to talk about. Because Puna Ford only played twenty eight snaps, and he should have played more like forty, in my opinion. Snap count on the defensive line. 
Ziggy had 18 snaps. Puna had 28. Uh, Monet had 22. Clowney had 35. Green had 30. Jefferson had 41. We had some interesting snap count numbers um, on a total of, I believe it was 56 defensive snaps that the team played. Yeah, if you would have told me before the game, hey, like, Quentin Jefferson and Rasheem Green are going to be two of the top four snap count guys, I'd be like, uh, can we not, though? Like yeah, that- it was Jefferson and Al Woods were the only guys who got a lot of snaps. Even Clowney got a th- less than I would have thought. Yeah. Um, he only played a little over half the snaps. And Ziggy Ansah, obviously, they tried to ease him in with only 18 snaps. He looked fine, um, but I would say nondescript. Like, but I felt like as a result of that... Neither good nor bad. I felt like our defensive line did not look fresh in the second half, and that was when they were able to take advantage of us in the run game a little bit. Another thing, too, is Ziggy Ansah can play against the run. So the fact that they used him basically as a pass rush specialist in this game is a little bit misleading. I think people will be surprised how, how good he is on first and second down as yes. the season wears on. Um, so just keep that in the back of your head. Uh, Jam- Jamar Taylor watch, actually, not too bad. Um not I, too great either. Just, just, just a guy. Existed. Just a guy that he did his job, which I think is all we can ask for in a situation where you're playing slot corner against a pretty good team uh, that has my boy, my boy Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, well, what te- what does Ted Ginn Jr. do? Runs. Yeah, and catches deep balls. Like, what does Teddy? What does Teddy Ruxton throws about the third not do? Uh, he had zero attempts over twenty yards and four attempts over ten yards in the yeah, air. But but Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn got uh, quite a few targets, man. He had four targets. It's and, really uh, nice that Chad Pennington donated his elbows to Teddy Throws. That's what's so frustrating about this game, uh, outside of our offensive. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, we had Teddy Bridgewater doing exactly what we thought he would do. We had the three linebackers in, refusing to play nickel. And, and Kamara, only 16 carries for 69 yards. Not no. a great running day. And, but when he was in open space, he did damage, especially later in the game when the defense was on the field so much. And there I was watching Monday Night Football because, you know, I, I like being bored, and they, they're just splashing the stat in my face all game on the little ticker at the bottom. Teddy Bridgewater's uh, receivers were open 70% of the time on Sunday. And that's an indictment on this defense, and it sucks. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're saying, like, hey, the defense is on the field a lot, but, like, time of possession-wise, we won. We won the time of possession battle. We won yardage. The penalties were bait for functionally even. All the team stats, if you look at it, if you looked at the team stats and not the score, you'd be like, oh, Seahawks probably won this game by, I don't know, yeah. 10, 15. 14, maybe. Uh, but there was just a couple huge toxic differential plays. The Carson fumble, the deep, uh, the, the, deep, the special teams touchdowns, uh, the, just... just just killed this team. Like the, that's the thing. It was like you said, we won time of possession, but with the Seahawks <clears throat> defense being on the field so much, it wasn't like they were. It was three and out punt, three and out punt. Those drives by the New Orleans Saints were effective and very long. I would disagree. extended. I would like to go ahead and point this out. There was one sustained drive, only one sustained touchdown drive by the Saints. They scored on a punt return touchdown, a fumble return touchdown. They had the short field after Woods lined up over the center. Otherwise, it was a missed field goal, and the ball Dude, came back that, to us. That Woods over the center play that is going to haunt, haunt my dreams. That's the thing that, that play. Me, that, play that play killed yeah. my all the momentum. The Seahawks were starting to like build a little bit of momentum. They were about to get a stop. They missed the field goal, yep. so like I think the team's like, oh, yeah, we got this. We can come back and seven, still beat this. That's a very surmountable. Yeah, two Absolutely. touchdowns. It's an easy two touchdowns, and you got tons of time left. And they scored more than two touchdowns, so they obviously could have done it. But the stupid Al Woods. I mean, I love Al Woods. He's had a great first two games, but oh, come this, on, man, dude, you got you can't do that. That's just inexcusable. You you know the rules, and you know what? To be honest with you, the um, what's Brian Schneider, our special teams coach? This guy should have been fired a long time ago. He's this is not the first time we've ever had a really dumb special teams error like this, where yep. it's just like inexplicable, inexcusable, the kind of thing you need every guy who plays on special teams to know. A hundred percent Alwood should know where he needs to line up to not get that penalty. Mm-hmm. That's just it's just unexcusable. These guys are professionals. If if that happened on my middle school football team, I would be like really hot. I would be super angry if something like that happened where it's just a dumb penalty like that. I can't imagine on a on a professional football team how that how that must go over. Just it's just unacceptable. All you gotta do is stand in the right spot. It's not like Well, and then on the punt return touchdown we had uh Nick Ballore overrunning a play. 
because I'm glad he has a roster spot. Yeah. And then we had... Like, uh, a million guys missed tackles on that play, We basically too. had... By the time he made his first cut, there were six guys on the coverage team that were behind him. Yeah. And so then you have took half your coverage that's, unit out of the play. That's special, that's special teams coach Brian, uh, Brian Schneider doing his work right there, dude. That's right. At least he must be related to John Schneider, and that's why he has a job. Do you think so? You think, uh, I'm going to Google it right now. If he is, then uh, this is nepotism, and we should uh, Then we know we exactly sue. why. Is he short with red hair? As you go over that really quickly, uh, they had the touchdown on the short field after the fourth down that we're going to talk about. We had two bad fourth down conversion plays. And then... Uh, they had one sustained drive for the final touchdown uh, that moved them up to 33 points. Yeah. That was the only sustained touchdown drive. Yeah, yeah. still, still backbreaking plays keeping the defense on the field. It doesn't have to be physically like ex- excruciating on this team. It's a mental lapse. It is a mental thing where you think, okay, we have to be back out here and we have to make a play. We have to make a turnover. That is the way that you overplay and you you don't stop games. But that's why it's I like have Russ trouble saying that the, the defense played poorly. They tackled poorly. There were definitely issues. Yeah. But I feel like it was the toxic differential plays, especially the ones on special teams, especially Carson's fumble, that decided this game. I like this. I'm looking at John Schneider's page on the Seahawks website. Brian Schneider, I mean. It says, Schneider coached special teams in Oakland for two seasons, 2007 to 2008. In both seasons, Shane Leckler led the NFL in punting and was named to the Pro Bowl. Something tells me that had a lot more to do with Shane Leckler than it did with Brian Schneider. Yeah, last time I checked... (laughs) Shane Leckler's like a Hall of Fame level punter. He's really good. And usually... Like, you hear this with kickers and punters. Special teams coaches just basically walk up and like, how's the leg doing? All right. Well, I mean... Because most special teams coaches will tell you they got no idea how that works. They're just like, hey, man, uh, how do you feel about going from 48? All right, good to know. Shane Leckler averaged 49 yards a punt in 2017 at age, like, 41 on Houston. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy's good, dude. That guy's real good. Uh, yeah, Welcome uh, back Brian Schneider, to Punt Hub. Brian Schneider, uh, <laughs> his job is to make sure that his players know the rules of how to line up. Oh, my God. I don't and also talk. stay disciplined in their lanes, which is not what happened on the punt yeah. return. You can survive a fluky game, but not when you have fluky at three different times, like defense, but, special teams, and fumbling. Okay, so we talked about the fumble. We talked about the return touchdown. We talked about Alwood's lining up over it. We talked about Michael Kendricks missing a million tackles. We talked about Michael Kendricks missing a million tackles. Let's talk about the two other kind of big plays going for it on fourth down. And I want to talk about both of them in context of each other. So the first time we go for it on fourth down, we go ultra heavy set. Disley's out there. Fant's out there. Clearly saying that we're going to run it. And just to make sure, we pull out the big guns. That's right. Nick Bloor. Comes out to lead the way <laughs> for his on the successful fourth down run. How many snaps did he get on offense? Because I'm willing to bet it was right about one. It was. It, you are right. And you know who else has got one offense? One offense snap. Joey Hunt, baby. Let's go. That's right. Ultra heavy set. Okay. And so we have Nick Bloor blocking nobody. Yeah, uh, he didn't do anything on that play. He blocked the corner on a play where Carson cut into the guard tackle gap. Yes. So one of two things needed to happen on that play. Uh, Number one, don't make it obvious that all you're going to do is hand it off to Carson. Uh, Number two, if you do hand it off to Carson uh, and there's clearly nothing going on inside, uh, Carson should bounce it outside. And if he would have bounced it outside, he actually had a shot at getting it. But where he was running off tackle... First of all, the guard tackle gap on the right side is Cam Jordan's gap. And that is the single gap that they are the best at covering. If you look at their numbers on Football Outsiders, that is the gap you don't want to run into. And at that was at a time also where Chris Carson was already broken for the game. Like it was not a it was not a time that I feel that play should have been called. So what do we do the next time we have a fourth down situation? So we're in the fourth quarter. We're right about our own 30-yard line. And so instead of handing the ball to Carson, heavy set, jamming it up in there, we decided to go what we have, uh, trips, right? And Russell Wilson winds back for a throw. Uh, there is, I think, a very clear defensive holding call or no call. Uh, with Lockett going up the hash marks. And then we have the outside throw to Malik Turner. 
Do you know what really frustrates me in these situations, though, is that we have fourth and very short, right? Pretty short, like very short passes. We never run QB sneaks, ever. And I know Russell Wilson's short, but come on, man. Like, every once in a while, you got to show that play because that's a QB sneaks from four, from one yard or less are like one of the highest success rate plays in the NFL. And if um, we're not like, going to do that, like why 80, couldn't we do an RPO? I think I read it was 84% of of QB sneaks from from one yard or less are successful. They get first down. That's insane. That's you you just run that play. You run that play. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like that just line them up, get heavy, just dive forward for the yard. Yo, bring Lynch back. Make him our backup. He's really tall. <laughs> just and have then him just take have the him snap. on the sneak. Have to take the snap. Yeah, we should get that. Get that. Uh, get that. One I heard Nick Ballor. Nick Ballor wants to play multiple positions. Do anything it takes to get on the field. Have Nick Ballor play quarterback. <laughs> get him on the field. Uh, have Puna line up in the Wildcat. Um, no, no Wildcat. You, for a QB sneak, you got to line up under center. It, it's like the simplest, one of the simplest plays in football, right? You just dive between the gap between the center and the guard and get your yard. Yeah, like, uh, uh, well-known running quarterback Tom Brady is very an good expert at, that. at this. Yeah, exactly. Just watch, just watch New England film. It's not rocket science what they do here. He just dives between the guard and the center, and you get your free yard. It's 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 unstoppable. I it's borderline unstoppable. So I just don't get why more teams don't do it. What you don't do is what um, who was it that tried, Case Keenum tried to dive over? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. That's how you get. Well, you there. gotta show up the hops if you're Case Keenum. Shut up. He gave up a fumble. <laughs> you know like, who should, that you was like a dive game over? ender. That was one of his seven turnovers last night. You know who should dive over is Brock Osweiler. You know he was a AAU All State basketball yes, player. Yes. You know. You know he was really tall. He was real tall. The history of quarterbacks six foot six and taller are not good, but the quarterback six foot and under, Russell Wilson. So okay. We should sign uh, Justin Herbert. We should draft Justin Herbert and have him run sneaks. That's, That's it. What I'm hearing. Just one one play. Yeah. Just get him in there for the uh, the one play a game. Value pick. Um, all right, let's talk about Arizona Cardinals. Okay, guys? All right. Uh, Arizona, I'm going to say this. Arizona defense, not as bad as you think. Arizona offense, not as good as you think. That's my that's my review of the Arizona Cardinals. The defense has uh, Terrell Suggs as an adult and has kind of kind of solidified their their defense a little bit. It's playing pretty Hi. good. Uh, yeah. It's Terrell, Suggs. <laughs> Terrell Suggs right now has 12 pressures, two, snack, two sacks. Um, yeah, six run stops. Uh, I think still, first of all, good. I think it's still the Chandler Jones show. Let, Ch- let's oh, Chandler Jones clear. is their best defensive player. I'm just saying, Nathan's uh, warming up overall. Overall, and Buda Baker started had a really good hot start to the season. Yeah, um, and the uh, Byron Murphy's like a, a functional corner, which that makes them have one functional corner. Well, Tremaine Brock's had a really good. Tremaine Brock season. has not been good. He, he's fine. He's targeted ten times or sixteen times. Gave up ten receptions. He has two pass breakups, which is like pretty good. Um, he's fine. He's a very functional average. Per human being <laughs> to play court. Bad, bad, actually, you know what? That's the wrong way to put it. I was about to say, it. no, he's not a great human being. He's a being. bad person. He's a... Good, decent cornerback. Um, yeah, their their defense is like fine. Arizona, Arizona, it's Arizona not, apologist. It's not good. It's not good. Their defense is fine. Now, their offense, I do not have... From any, the Cardinals wing. I do not have very many nice things to say about their offense. Um, their offensive line is worse than ours. And that is saying something. Yeah, it is. I am like, really? That's aggressive. Our, if it, if added, you, added bonus comment, but they're supposed to be bad. My, they, my comment here is Arizona's offensive tackles are like playing a Fetty twice. Dude, they can't run block. <laughs> their run blocking is their run blocking is like a joke. Ooh, my you, run blocking is all their run blockers are also Jermaine, are also uh, Jarris Weezy. Do you want to know? David okay. Johnson is run blocking for himself. <laughs> yeah, he, they are averaging uh, five yards per attempt on rushes, which is like seems really good, but it's it's like a total mirage. They're, but it's six yards after contact. Yeah, I was gonna say their running their run blocking is is awful. Their longest run on the year is a. 20-yard Kyler Murray run. Like, they're just... They can't run the ball very good. They have a cup... Uh, Christian Kirk's off to a really good start. Uh, kind of, like, uh, be blossoming into a, uh, a little bit of a, a stud. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's still probably going to kill us because he's fucking Larry Fitzgerald. He came out he of thinking of retirement to save this team. Save meaning he got him that tie because he's the best guy on the field. They're, they're now, not gonna... Kyler Murray is responsible for a lot of his own pressures, though, so that's an interesting thing to watch. And uh, again... Does it just me or does he do a whole lot of bootlegging for no reason? He does the old Russell Wilson thing where he goes too mm-hmm. far backwards. Yeah. And, yep. and then and then like this and then and he makes, it worse. makes it impossible for his tackles to like do anything. Yep, he has bad tackles and he makes them look even more bad. So if you have like a slightly below average defense and then a far below average offense, um I'm not really intimidated by the Arizona Cardinals. So here's what I'm intimidated by. Every trip to Arizona is cursed. I hope we don't come down to a kick on this. They were cursed during the Arians era. Last year, not a curse. 
Maybe the curse is lifted, Nathan. Maybe the curse is going to be in Tampa Bay this year. Let's talk about that then. Maybe they'll wear throwbacks. I'm getting ahead of myself. I say the curse is lifted. I think a couple things to look at are Murray's really heavily favors short passes over the middle. And that's something that so we're gonna put Kendricks in there is what you're telling me. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Let's um, be honest about this. I'm legitimately he plays his worst under pressure that is not blitzing pressure. And, like he throws to the open guy on the blitzes, but he has a lot of trouble with his four man pressure with a spy. And I'm gonna say the curse was not lifted last year. Because do you know what happened last year in Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of the Earl Thomas era. Like the curse maybe is lifted in terms of like we got a twenty to seventeen win. Great. But we lost we lost something bigger than just the game there. I feel like that leg was going to break anyway. No. Oh, my <laughs> that gosh. Awful. That's awful. Hunter, you guys know Earl's my favorite player. <laughs> I felt he like... already broke it. I was at the game where he broke it against Carolina, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> leg was... My leg was all fine, already. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, we should be 3 like Chris Tucker talking to the uh, death sergeant. <laughs> that was a messed up out of town anyway. Uh, maybe so, Kevin. I don't. Like I said, I'm not afraid of Arizona. I'm afraid of the stadium. Their linebackers are terrible in coverage. So if we can get our slot receivers or tight ends handled like up on that, like there's no reason we shouldn't win this by 15. Their their defense is not good enough to stop our offense. It's good, and they will get some pressures, and they have some good coverage guys. But if we get this quick throw game, Mm. but if like, but we should be able to move the ball. There's there will be sustained drives from us, and the defense should be able to stop this. This offense is kind of a joke right now. So if Carson cannot fumble. So I'm I'm into it. I think this should be this should be like a like a pretty relaxed Seahawks road win, which means we'll probably end up like having to squeeze it out of our buttholes will be so tight in the fourth quarter because it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be like not in the, the Seahawks not are gonna the have the ball and it's gonna be like twenty one twenty Arizona after they inexplicably get like a defensive touchdown and we're just gonna be like mm, there's I three also minutes for us to get a field goal. Stupid situations where every time we get a pressure. You're like, hey, we got a pressure. Clowney almost got a sack, and Kyler Murray just ran for 15 yards. Damn mm-hmm. it. Well, yeah, especially because what will happen is Clowney almost get a sack, and he'll get out on the edge, and then he'll be one-on-one with Kendricks. Kevin just shuddered. <laughs> I think I put shell down his spine. I will say Tedward Bridgington uh, took off a couple of times, and he only has one leg, literally. Yeah. So when he went go-go gadget scramble, we didn't do a great job of containing him kyler murray pretty good at running no pretty good he he's probably Seems what good. you think like the fourth best runner in the nfl for qbs uh let's see he's behind josh allen he's behind lamar jackson he's behind lamar jackson lamar, lamar jackson is the best throwing running back in the nfl not dude I'm, <laughs> don't make me fight this fight on the podcast let me just fight it in the group chat <laughs> hey in all fairness i'm claiming that he's should be on both the running back and quarterback rankings oh okay good 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 because <laughs> Because Lamar Jackson, I, I I keep posting this article from Warren Sharp. It's like, Lamar Jackson was the best 21-year-old throwing quarterback of all time. Just, and I'm just going to keep posting that article until everyone is sick of it. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Done. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton has a list, Frank. So he's off the list now. Yeah. Well, dude, Cam Newton. And also, they didn't let him run anyway. It's yeah, exactly. He, you knew something was wrong with Cam when they just stopped doing like the because like that was what they Hashtag did before. Pocket Cam. Fourth and th- it was like f- fourth and three. Cam Cam Newton has a when Cam Newton's healthy. Used? Cam Newton's healthy. Fourth and three. What do they do? They have him in the shotgun and they just have him run because like he's gonna get three yards. Yeah, he's a, he's a tank. Now now he they, can fall forward for three yards. He's now, three yards tall. Now it's not. They don't do that Six anymore. Foot Something's wrong with Cam Newton. He's well, about to get when Andrew, he gets he's about hit, to get Andrew Luck. No, you heard he has a Liz Frank. Oh, he's he a Liz Frank. Okay. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when he gets Which hit, a painful injury. Last year though, when he got hit, he was he went down hard. It was. Yeah, but they, they, the refs let him get beat up, too. Yep. It's, oh, yeah. like, not cool. Yeah, as much as we get mad about refs getting beat up, uh, Cam Newton gets treated like Michael Bennett. Riverboat Ron, the hidden Michael Shannon. He gets treated by, like, Colin Kaepernick. No. Uh, complete disregard. Okay, um, <laughs> so, you guys ready for picks? Let's pick some scores, boys. All right, 24-10 Seahawks. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not gonna mess around on this one. Eric. You guys are going nuts on that tirade, and I was looking like, what's a unique score? I'm calling a unique score, <laughs> and I didn't like any of them. Uh, tight butthole, not in the cool way, 33-25. <laughs> tight butthole. Those are some weird scores, 33-25. Right like now, the Seahawks like are base. right here. We're going to try and get them right about there. Tight, but, tight butthole. Hole. <laughs> Taking that one all the way to Black Diamond. Um, let's go with... 
Seahawks twenty-seven. I uh, and we're gonna go. We'll go twenty-seven seventeen. But it's gonna be one of those things where, like, Arizona's driving to tie. We get the defensive stop, and then we get the touchdown, like, kind of late to put the game on ice. Some sort of fumble. Yeah, because it's a four-minute like, mark. It's gonna be like twenty seventeen, and you're gonna be like, man, they're gonna score, and then they end up like not scoring. And let me make another touchdown so it looks like it wasn't as close as it was. All right. Uh, you guys uh, ready for Money Zone? Absolutely. All right. Do it, so if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way is to go to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and become a patron. For as little as $1.24 a month, you can get access to our our uh, gambling picks, our uh, you know our all our fun stuff in there. So let me uh, let me give it up for some of our our beautiful patrons we've got um richard james chuckatilla tom lucas carrie bob kieran brett mike david flockmas keith michelle brian frank that's right brett you're beautiful nick um you're beautiful and uh yeah that's uh if you don't have any money and you want to support us still head over to twitter give us a like head over to your favorite podcast app and uh throw us um Throw us a five star or, or uh, you know thumbs up or whatever the app does, and uh, yeah, everything everything helps. Uh, every little bit helps. I've been thinking this about a lot. Like, um, obviously, like there's certain stats that I key on, and I kind of wanted to like talk about like what stats I really like and and why. So um, so can I just spend like two minutes talking about that? Like I I was thinking about this a lot this I week. I like it. Okay, so um, a lot of times people will hear me talk about wide receiver first downs. Um, why do I think that's important? Because um, throwing it past the sticks is really important um, in terms of just NFLs. And so wide receivers creating third first downs is is like a is like I think the most valuable thing a wide receiver can and be doing. And it's a skill. It's a skill. You got to run your route to the sticks. You got to run your route past the sticks, or or you know you got to run your route so you're gonna get past the sticks. Um, so that's like a very a real skill. Um, for running backs, yards after contact. Those are yards you create yourself, right? Those are yards you created um, all by yourself. You didn't do anything. Um, for quarterbacks, I like to look at how they compare under pressure versus not under pressure. The the real good ones will still have great stats under pressure, um, and but you know being able to create under while not under pressure is a real skill too. And I think like there are guys who are even bad or maybe they they don't do good when they're not under pressure. And that's if you can't frustrating. like if you're not an average quarterback when not under pressure, that's the um, the PFF guys will tell you that's a stable stat. It tells you what a quarterback's floor is. That's why you go Andy Dalton's like right around the 15th best quarterback because if he's not being pressured, he's it. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, we saw that in the first game of the season. He was pretty all right, and he was not getting pressured a whole lot. <laughs> um, so then uh, on the defensive side, I like to look for defensive backs. I like to look at how they did um, just in their individual assignments, like how many times were they targeted, how many times did they give up a catch, did they give up a lot of yards after catch. Yards after catch is a big one for me because – it shows that they were kind of out of position, right? Because if you if you give up a four yard pass and you keep it in front of you, you don't give up a first down. That's fine. Do that a lot of times. That's, that's cool. the Bobby Wagner. That's cool. Yeah, do that. That's really good actually because you're just not there. They can't they can't move the chains. Then they have to punt to you. Um, and then defensive linemen, obviously, I'm looking at pressures a lot. Um, pressures in, of all kinds. Pressures are more important than sacks. I think this is something everyone should think about. Is that you can affect the play just as much by getting the quarterback's face, causing a pressure, making him making him make a bad throw, than you can just by tackling him. And um, people who just get keyed in on sacks, I think you're missing the the force for the trees there a little bit. Um, pressures are are as important or more important. A guy who gets 100 pressures is better than a guy who gets 16 sacks and only 16 pressures. Um, it's not close. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Those are like my favorite stats. So, Kevin, do you have any favorite stats that you like to look at? Um, oh, you mentioned a lot of the ones I really like. Uh, another thing I like to look at is um, air yards for quarterbacks and uh, like things like average depth of target or uh, yards per attempt because if you get a guy who has a high completion percentage but it's a bunch of six-yard passes, that's a really limited offense. Um, that's what Teddy Bridgewater was throwing, and we weren't really threatened by anything that he was doing. You know, if you're south of about eight, eight and a half yards per attempt, um, it can be difficult to build like a really effective offense around that. Uh, in the modern NFL, chunk plays are very important. That's why I think your yak stat for uh, defensive backs is uh, is very true. Um, another one is uh, missed tackles. Oh yeah, missed tackles is a good one, and drops, 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 and just terms of catch rate in general. Catch rate's a really good one for wide receivers. Just how many 
catches do they get on their targets? It not only speaks to uh, like how good they are at creating catches and getting getting open, but also the kind of catches, the kind of throws they're getting. Because some yeah. guys, some receivers will just have naturally slightly lower catch rates because they, you know, they're home run hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, T.Y. Hilton somehow got that reputation, but he's not a home run hitter. T.Y. Hilton can work all parts of the field, and I think he's showing that right now with a. Uh, with Bursette, but yep. but like guys who are real home run hitters will have slightly lower catch rates. I also want to Sean Jackson. Before we get to movie club, I just want to give one shout out. Big shout out to Forrest, our longtime patron. Uh, if you want us to do one more movie, uh, just make sure to me- uh, send us a message on Twitter. Uh, we'll do one more uh, movie club of your choice. For movie club today, what I wanted to talk about. You guys ready? Yes. Um, the I wanted to talk about since Joker comes out next week. Favorites and least favorite Jokers. I'm gonna throw them out there. You ready? Here's some Jokers you can choose from. You ready? We got Heath Ledger's The Dark Knight, Jack Nicholson from uh, 1989's Batman, Cesar Romero. Okay, you can go with uh, Zach Galifianakis from the Lego Batman. Uh, you can go with Jared Leto for the worst uh, Batman. He was in Suicide Squad, and then also you can pick. Uh, you could maybe go with the old Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series, which I think is the best animated choice by a healthy margin. Although there are some other good animated Batmans. Would you agree with that, Eric? Uh yeah, but you're you're comparing uh really good you're comparing any pizza to the greatest pizza you've ever had. <laughs> uh, my line for this is uh there's an old line about Dana Carvey. Anyone doing an impression of George Bush Senior is really doing an impression of Dana Carvey doing yeah. an impression of George Bush Senior. Right. So uh anyone who's doing a voice for animated Joker is really doing an impression of Mark Hamill doing a voice for yeah. uh, so, animated Joker. So Eric, you are a Batman expert, a yeah. resident Batman clout. That's true. Uh you love Batman. Um, so give, give us your Joker. Who's your Joker? Man, it's got to be Heath Ledger. He reinvented the game while still uh, more or less not doing anything all that new. Uh, he took the comic Joker and he put him in a real-world believable situation. Uh, one of my favorite things is the early interviews before there was any footage out there. He said, uh, I've been, you know... Talking about how he trained for the role, how all the things he looked, his journal, uh, things he looked up. Uh, there was a journal he kept of things that Joker might think was funny. And some of it was like really disgusting. Some of it was just things that you and I might laugh at, like a politician might do. Um, but one thing he said, the voice that he was looking at, he said, I kind of want to go with 70s city Texan. Um, I'm, I think a lot about, I've been listening to a lot of Tom Waits. I didn't know what that meant, but if you would like to listen to the Joker before, uh, you heard him as Heath Ledger, uh, go to YouTube and type in Tom Waits interview and get one when he was young and it sounds exactly like Heath Ledger's Joker. The inflection of the voice, the waiting, the whole thing where he says, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, that's a whole Tom Waits thing. It's not even, it's it's not even close. It's almost exact. I think that's why I love Heath Ledger. He went completely new with the Joker, but somehow made it every every Joker comic I'd ever read. Making the, uh, the clapping action when uh, Gary Oldman's character was promoted to Commissioner Gordon. That wasn't in the script. Uh, throwing money at Lau when he's on top of the money stack. That was not on the script. He's just throwing money up there while reading his lines, trying to, you know, hit hit him in the head with money stacks. Just a man who knew the role. Rest in peace, Heath. That's all I got. Yeah, the 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 Heath Ledger Joker is is the I think the best live action performance. Uh, I would firmly agree. It's 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 so good and I'm I'm excited to see what Joaquin Phoenix does with the role, but he has a tough hill to climb if he's gonna beat that I appreciate that I know he'll do something different. Heath Ledger did something different because he's somebody who could take a character. We all know Joaquin Phoenix and, can too. And you guys remember the, 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 and Eric, you probably remember better than anyone, the casting reaction to Heath Ledger was not positive. The dude from 10 Things I Hate About it's, You? People were, people were extremely negative dude, to you that you know, I was, I was hunting, I was sniffing for news every day because of how much I love Batman Begins. But I did what I do during every Seahawks draft. I react poorly for... A second, and then I go. Just, I trust it. It's fine. <laughs> I because Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's absolutely. No, he's, he's no joke. So, I mean, Bale was a weird choice for Batman, right? 
He's this mm-hmm. this what is he Australian or British? He's I, British, but I'll British, say this yeah. like this, this weird British actor. When he was cast, I was like that. I'd been praying for that for years. I always thought he'd be perfect. He's my favorite Batman. A lot of people will say Affleck's their favorite Batman, and that's why I don't like most people. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Batfleck fan. Affleck is a Affleck is a serviceable Batman. He's my he's my second favorite fat Batman, right behind Adam West. Fat man. Um, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit. I I just love the Mark Hamill portrayal in Batman the animated series. I think it's it's really quintessentially Batman. It led to a whole bunch of voice work for Mark Hamill that I think is completely like unexpected and delightful. Awesome. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, he really captures like the manic energy of Joker in a way that I think would be really that is really difficult to do. He created the bat the Joker laugh. Yeah. The real Joker laugh. Yeah. Then and I think that that's really cool and. One thing I love about Mark Hamill is how like positive and supportive he is because he's out there just right now being like, I'm going to, uh, you know, I really hope this Joker movie's great and I love Joaquin Phoenix and here's my tips for playing Joker, you know, and it's just like, he's just, I just think he's a really good person to have around uh, this this kind of uh, movie and character and I, I don't know, I'm a really big fan of the the Batman the animated series. It's the, it's the probably the best uh, like cartoon superhero show as from an adult perspective. Um, that I think we got. It won awards. That Mr. Daytime Freeze Emmys. episode was yep. awesome. Yeah, there's like I still remember many of those. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, if you have a chance to pick up the DVDs, like my sister has them, and we watched them a bunch of the episodes together, and it's it's just good stuff. It's really really good stuff. If you've got kids in like grade school into high school, like watch it with them. It's it's all just bullets. Um. Yeah. So I think yeah that i just really appreciate the mark hamill joker i think it's really good um i don't have like any trivia or like think things about it like i usually do but uh you know, kevin might kevin do you have any um mark hamill joker stuff uh, uh best performance outside of corvette summer um <laughs> uh mark hamill uh was going to hang up the joker role several times and was kind of begged back into it that's kind of one of my only big things for that yeah. um they're having a lot of trouble replacing him as a voice actor for the character. He's pretty old, so like I'm sure he wants to, you know, if he has plenty of money. He probably well, he's would like to basically walk away. said he would like to hand it over so that like he can see it flourish out from under him and know that it's going to kind of go on and still be like a great role. Right. And so he's he's upset that he keeps having to kind of be called back into it. Kevin, I am praying you'll pick the guy from the movie that we're going to do next week for Movie Club that I'm going to make you guys watch. Okay, well, uh, I actually decided since you picked the only two oh, answers I, know exactly I like, what you're gonna say. I'm going to uh, uh, just tell you why Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker was bad. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to agree with most of your points here. Eric's probably going to slightly I'm gonna, disagree. I'm going to slightly disagree, but go ahead. Uh, So I have a major objection to Jack Nicholson's Joker in that it was Jack Nicholson with makeup on and not the Joker. <laughs> That is mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent what that character was that part, in this movie. That part where he's going through the art museum with the Prince music. Yep, it was awful. I I love Prince, but I hate that. That's that's how I feel about it. Uh, uh, the editing in that is really poor too. It is. They put they paint something and then they walk by again. It's not painted. Shame on you, Tim Burton. Um, there's multiple scenes where he's just being Jack Nicholson, like uh, basically every scene where, well, basically every scene. The scene um, where he electrocutes the mob boss is my favorite in the movie. So this, that that felt like it felt like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. It also felt like the Joker. So I felt like that scene, the scene right after he sees himself after the surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, the very end with the chattering teeth, which okay. is my favorite scene in the entire movie. Um, those are the only three scenes that feel Joker. Everything else feels like Jack Nicholson in makeup. You didn't uh, you didn't like when he pulls out the giant elephant gun out of his pants after bending his leg for half an hour? Go ahead. No. <laughs> no. I'm I'm glad that he was able to pull that one out of the Bugs Bunny arc. As a as a ten or eleven year old boy, however old I was, twelve, I was like, What? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's a it's a that okay, nineteen eighty nine Batman. I don't want to get like too deep on Kristen because I actually think that's a really well regarded seven out of ten, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a movie I think people really overrate in their heads. Like it's it's good, but not great. And it's above average. It's because I, we hadn't seen anything like it. At the and time. I'm extra hard on sure. the superhero stuff. Like I think you, everyone who listens to this podcast and everyone in this room knows I'm like extra extra hard on superhero movies in general because I think like you got to do more than just show me my favorite superhero to make me like the movie. Because I think that's what a lot of superhero movies think they have to do. It's like, oh, we'll just put them on the, the screen and, and tell like a slightly above average story, and who cares? The people will love it. And I, I want movies to do more than that. And I think like 
Eric said, the bat, the the Dark Knight was a movie that did a lot more than that. Okay, it if I was gonna pick my third beyond. favorite though, I pick Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis. All right, well, we'll talk about that maybe later. For uh, Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. Good time.